the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to this KGNW broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the Heart of the City. This is Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Local Ministry Development with 820 AM The Word. And I'm so glad that you've joined me today. Last week we had a conversation with Robert Anthony, who's the author of the book, Jesus Did Not Start a Religion. And we had kind of a part one conversation where he shared the the story of how he, uh, he grew through prosperity in his life when he was in his uh, late teens and early 20s, and how the Lord began to work in him, uh, showing him uh, the, the direction that his life should take. And Robert, I want to thank you for joining me today on Heart of the City. Thanks, Chuck. It's a pleasure. Yeah, well, last week, it's it's hard for me to summarize. I was saying to you right before we started this part two, it's, I'm not sure how I'm going to launch this, but just to say that the Lord had saved you at age seven through the testimony of your Aunt Lori, who was an, a heroin addict, and your mom got saved, and uh, you, you, uh, your mom got married, and, and you, your life in the Lord grew, but yet there was a point in time in your life, in your late teens and early 20s, where you uh, were struggling. And uh, let's pick it up from there and, and, and talk about... Uh, you were in the mortgage business doing well, but there was a party in the Hollywood Hills where the Lord really began to speak to you. Let's start there. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I needed I needed to know I, I, what I was touching on last time as I was talking about God's love, and I needed to know God loved me, and that was the big thing, you know. As a young, as a boy, not even a young man, but as a, as a boy, I I knew God loved me, and Somehow throughout the years of churchianity or, or the, you know, the institutional church world, let's just put it like that. Somehow through those years, something about God's love, I was, I was losing touch with that. And, um, well, there's reasons. One of the churches we went to, very, um, you know, not incredibly well-known, but a well-known uh, charismatic church fell apart because the pastor was cheating on his wife. And that was... Uh, the second church we went to, the one in Vegas, fell apart also because the pastors were um, stealing money. And then, uh, you know, I was young, but I wasn't dumb. You know, I mean, right, right. you know, you know that that's wrong. And you and you can see as a, as a young person, you could see how it affects your parents. And so um, I had a lot of questions. I just remember being young and having a lot of questions and never really feeling like I was getting the right answers when I would bring them up to, let's say, my youth pastor or one of the elders or something or someone I respected. And um, so... Was it the fact that you saw not... I don't know how to describe this, but was it the fact that there was kind of a cover-up instead of a, a genuine honesty about what was happening? In other words, were you as upset about the sin or were you upset more upset about the cover-up? That's really... 
really good question. I think, I think, I think the sin didn't. I think I don't think it was the sin that bothered me as a, as a as a young guy. I think what it was was how everybody dealt with it. And you know, it's funny. You know what they know about children. What we know about children is they learn by what they see and experience more than what they read and more than what they know in their head. And I, I don't think it changes as adults. I think I think we change, but really how we learn doesn't change. I think we learn by the experience of it all. And and the experience was horrible. There was a lot of division, a lot of anger, um, you know, at home, you know, um, there was a lot of insecurity at home. And, you know, I just remember bits and pieces of all this, but the experience of it all spoke more than that's wrong. And, and the judgment of how wrong that is, you know, the judgment, I got way older, you know, once I got older, then I could judge, you know, right. Right. <laughs> I'm being very sarcastic. Yeah, I understand. Pick up on it. Yeah, no, I, I get it. Yeah. Well, those of us that have grown up in institutional churches, our whole life kind of understand where, where you are at. Uh, hopefully mm-hmm. we understand that there is this dichotomy that happens where there is the truth of the gospel but yet that truth is residing oftentimes in, in fallen men. <laughs> and there's this uh, tension, if you will. Paul talks about it a lot in his scripture. You know, that which I would not, that do I do. And right. what I want to do, right. I don't do. And what I do, I don't want to do, etc. Mm-hmm. And so there's this constant tension of the flesh and the spirit working at each other and who we're going to be obedient to. Yeah, so I, I don't want to judge... I don't want to judge people. And even when I wrote the book, um, it took me, I haven't told you this, it took me probably eight, seven or eight times to write the book because I'd write it and then I'd read it and I'd say, wow, this is so judgmental. You know, this is just, uh-huh. I'm just being critical of people. And I just keep rewriting it. And and as the years went by, because I started writing this book in 2005, uh-huh. as the years went by, I noticed that God was doing such a work in me. And uh, you brought that up earlier, but um, God was doing such a work in me to to put his love in my heart, you know, and that's where, that's what it all boils down to. Jesus, I write, Jesus didn't start a religion. Well, what did he start? Well, he started, you know, you could, you could boil it down to several things, but he started the way to God. He started the way back to his presence, the way to receiving his love. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the light. No man comes to the Father but through me. So what he started was he, he created the way back to the garden, back to his presence, back to being in intimate fellowship with him. And that's anything but, that's everything but religion. That's so many other things, you know? So a lot of people will say, I say, Jesus didn't start religion. They'll say, amen. It's all about relationship. And I say, amen. That's true. It's all about relationship. And so what happens is, is a big part of the message is I want to encourage people to, um, well, encourage church leaders first and foremost to, to not, don't, don't rule so much, you know, don't, don't be so afraid and think that you have to lord over people and rule them and and that that if without us cuz I'm kind of like a a you know servant leader of the church too I guess now and like it's a lot of pride to think that without us they're going to be lost you know without without someone and they'll say who's who are you accountable to or who's over you or they'll ask questions like this well I know where you're coming from with that but but look Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's the script. That's the scripture. That's the uh, c- the commandment. You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, soul, mind, and strength. These are the these are the commandments of God. And we run a risk when we start ruling people and when we start lording over people. We we run a risk of becoming their gods. That's right. And that's the last thing we want. Actually, mm-hmm. what we're trying to do is disciple them 
into their own relationship with God so that they could walk with him. And there's a time period where they're kind of like young in, in the things of faith and they're young in the things of God. And that's where discipleship comes in. But still we're discipling them so that they can walk with God by themselves and, and maybe go further than us. I speak to some of these uh, young kids and I said, you know, the greatest honor to me in discipling you, um, I've got a few of these guys. I'm, I'm just, I, I don't even call it discipling. I just feel like I love these guys. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I tell them, I said, you, you, you want to do something awesome. Just read my book and, and hear about my life, but then go way beyond anything I've ever done. Like, you know, that's awesome. That makes, that's a life well spent, you know? And, um, so lordship in the body of Christ, it doesn't work. And the Bible brings it up a lot. Jesus, mm-hmm. Jesus talks about it a lot. Well, you've got a, a, a great message and I, I enjoyed your book a lot because I thought I was reading the book of Acts. I, and I'm 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 truly mean that uh, the the writing style was sim- simple in the sense of you kind of said this is where I went and this is what happened <laughs> and so it's it was uh, really interesting and sometimes I wanted more details and they weren't there kind of like reading the book of Acts you know <laughs> yeah. where you said I boy I wish I knew more about this and and you say well I could write about that but that's going to be another time <laughs> and that's okay for you to write that because there was a lot in here about your experiences and I'd like to touch on that just for a few minutes as yeah. you uh, marched forward as the Lord began to speak to you that or you begin to speak to God how you wanted to get out of business. Yeah. Tell us about that. What what was what was happening in your spirit where you said, I don't want to do this anymore? Well I found the I found the love of God again. And um I he gave me something special. He woke me up one night in two thousand two and he said, I never started a religion. And that's how I came up with the title of the book because he told me, Robert, I never started a religion. And so at that point in time, I hadn't read the Bible in three or four years. And so I started reading the Bible again. And I, re- I remember in a weekend, I read the whole New Testament, and I just could not put it down. And sure enough, there's no religion in the whole New Testament. Jesus never built any buildings. He never said, hey, everyone, stop being Jews. You're going to be Christians now. There's a lot of things he never did. And, and I have to believe that Jesus as God incarnate, God in the flesh, was smart enough to know what to do and what not to do also. And so I think he had his... I think he had a pretty good plan, and uh, there's a lot we could learn from that. And so when the Lord told me that he never started a religion, it was like a, a bomb went off. Or a, <laughs> I'll tell you what I tell people a lot. It's like uh, The Matrix, that movie The Matrix, mm-hmm. where they download into Neo's brain, and uh, he you know, all of a sudden learns Kung Fu. Like It felt like all of a sudden I learned like this huge like book of revelation from God, and it took a long time to understand it. And so I just— it's a long, long, long story, and a lot of it I don't go into in the book, but my my family and friends know the story, that I was involved with some really incredible things. I um, Sony had given us $150,000 in cameras. I was filming a, a documentary about cancer, and I had a lot of favor in, a lot, in not just one or two industries, but I'd become very entrepreneurial, and I had a lot of favor. And um, I just started realizing that none of it was going to work. That's the answer to your question. I started realizing that all the money in the world will not buy salvation for one person. I started realizing that it won't work. We could build, like, look what's going on right now. I started saying this in 2004. I said, we could build thousands and thousands of buildings. And what if they sit empty? Do you know that's going on right now all across the world? I have friends in London who just bought a, a, a church building and they turned it into a um, a uh, restaurant because a lot of the church buildings are sitting empty right now. All, th- all throughout Europe, you know, mm-hmm. and, and this is, if we build the buildings, 
that that's not the focus. The focus has to be Jesus, and the focus has to be cybership. So nonetheless, I, I realized it like an epiphany, like revelation from God. The money isn't going to do it. You know, we have to we have to go back to uh, Revelation. Talks about our first love. He talks to one of the churches. I I, I can't remember which one. Maybe uh, Thyatira. And then he talks to another one about the first works. So he talks to one about the first love. You've left your first love. And he says, go back to the first works to another church. And that's that's us right now. We got to go back to the first works and just tell people about Jesus. Go back to our first love, which is why, why do we love him so much? Like, what's so great about him? We need to remember all that stuff. Well, what's great about him is that he gave us this good news. The good news is not you have to become this religious, closed-minded, dogmatic, you know, kind of judgmental person to get into heaven. The good news is, you preach Jesus and everything else is going to work out. Jesus is going to lead his people into fellowship. Jesus is going to, you know, we talked about um, that he provides the increase. We sow the seeds. We we can water and we can till the soil. There's certain things we can do, but he's the God of the harvest. He's the God of the increase. And we have to trust him with that. So, you know, nowadays I'm not so worried about getting people connected so soon. And I'm more worried about following the spirit. I'm more worried about what is the spirit trying to do right now and, 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 and trusting God with the rest. So a big, a big word, you know, I I have a lot to say, but a big word is we got to get the fear out of us. This is a big deal in the church world. We're so afraid. We live with so much fear and we have, we have the power of God. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. We have this, that spirit, given to us from Jesus. And that's the power of creation. That's the uh, power to change lives. We have him. And wh- what do we do with him now? We bottle him up. We wall him up behind buildings. We we hide him in these books and stuff. No way. No, we have to let him out. We have to let Jesus just out. Let him go touch his people. Let him go save people, you know, and uh, give him Give him permission. Give the Holy Spirit permission to do his job, you know? <laughs> Sorry to get so preachy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm loving it. Yeah. I'm loving it because I can just see you getting wound up. Yeah, there, Robert. Robert. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't even had coffee yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but that's the message that the Lord was giving you back then, yeah. wasn't it? That yeah, it, really it wasn't. Was. And, and so you started praying and mm-hmm. you started asking God, please take business mm-hmm. away from it. I want to yeah. become um I want to become a minister of the gospel. Yeah, the the message the the gravity cuz I was smart enough to understand this is a big deal what God gave me and the gravity of it cuz this is 2004. This is 2002. People were not talking Jesus didn't start a religion back then. Now it's kind of almost a catchphrase, but back then it was kind of like this is a big deal. And and I started talking to people about it even back in 2002 and at those Bible studies I started having. And I started realizing this is real. This is not just Robert. This is something from God. And so I started realizing, I, and I so 2004, I prayed for a whole year. I said, Lord, the business, it's going to get in the way of the ministry. I, I have to get rid of all this stuff. And, uh, you know, he didn't respond right away. He was just kind of listening, kind of like the way you're listening right now. He just listened very fatherly and listened to what I had to say. And I I just kept praying about it. And then um, one day I was invited to speak, and I talk about this in the book. I was invited to speak about the secret to my success as a young man at the uh, Chamber of Commerce in Tucson. And um, so I go to go share, and it was uh, it was actually, the His- I think it was the Hispanic Chamber. But at any rate, it's a, don't quote me on where I was speaking at. But um, so I go to speak there, and uh, I couldn't get into it. They wanted me to speak about marketing and making money and some specific things. And 
I'm like, I obviously have no problem talking, but I'm rambling on the on the microphone in front of 300 suits. I mean, these are the the mayor was there. It was like very who's who group, <laughs> right? And I'm rambling, and finally I just stopped and I said, "Hey, do you guys know? Like, have you ever watched a movie where like the main character he like has a life changing moment in front of the room, right? And they're all just listening to me, and you know, you're smiling, but they're all very serious. And I said, "Well, look, <clears throat> this isn't a movie, but this is happening right now. Like, I'm literally having this life changing moment right now where I'm realizing I have to." I have to leave business and I have to go serve God. And uh, I was so nervous and sweat just starts beating and just falling off my body. And I just, I had to get off the stage. And I said, I, I hope you guys uh, will learn to follow your hearts. And I ran off the stage, you know, and I went and. Yeah. A lot know. of, there's a lot of uh, wealthy businessmen that don't want to hear that message. Right. Right. right follow exactly. your heart. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, <I'm, Right>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and they're seeing a young, a young promising guy say, I'm going to go follow what the Lord's telling me to do. Yeah. <laughs> and they were literally elevating me because they were so impressed with how much m- money I was making. And uh, yeah. yeah, good yeah. point. So I went and hid in this, I went and hid in this bar. I went to this little bar restaurant and, Got out my journal, and I hid myself away where no one could hide uh, find me. And I started writing prayer to God, and um, I just sat there. and He He spoke to me immediately, and He said, um, "You know, He said I'll let you leave it all." He said, "But uh, you have to promise not to worry about money anymore." And I said, "Huh? Well, that sounds easy enough. Okay, I leave it all behind. Just don't worry about money anymore." You know, <laughs> well, hindsight. You yeah, know, yeah. It's right. actually a very hard thing. It, you ask it is a to hard do. thing to do because yeah. so much is governed by finances, uh, oftentimes. Yeah, and at, and at the time, I had a business worth about five million dollars, and uh, I won't go into all the details now. But when he said that to me, what I thought he was saying was that the sale of that company is going to go through and you're going to be beyond rich. And so you won't have to worry about money anymore. Ah. But what he was saying was literally it's all going to go away. And, and I don't want you to worry about money. Just I'll take care of you. Just keep walking with me. Yeah. And so I haven't always done it. I've worried about money pl- plenty of times. And uh, just to be honest, you know, um, but it's okay. He's not, he's not mad at me. You know, it's sure. We're still in the flesh, you know, I understand so out of that experience comes then this desire, and the Lord begins to speak to you about traveling to, yeah. to other parts of the world and to be, begin to proclaim the good news. Well, that's, yeah, but that's interesting. I, I, never, I never thought I was going to travel half as much as I did. What happened is he started, he started taking me away on these journeys. You know John 3, 8, which says those born of the Spirit become like the wind. You don't know from where it came. You don't know to where it goes. And, and so those who are born of the Spirit will be like the wind, right? Mm-hmm. I'm paraphrasing. But um, that's what happened is I never had a plan. He, I, he would blow me to Carmel, California, or he would blow me to Eugene, Oregon, or he would blow me to these different places, Fayetteville, Arkansas. And I would think, I, I would think maybe I'm going to live there. And so I'd go to these places, and I would just assume I was going to be there for a while and just kind of start laying down roots. And then next thing you know, after three or four months, he'd say, okay, it's time to leave. And he'd blow me another place. So I never had a plan to travel half as much as I did. And then it just kept happening. And then after something like uh, 20 or 30 U.S. states over um, 2004 to 2010, those years, um, a lot of traveling – then in 2009, he started talking about going to Africa and traveling the world. And so I started getting all these words from random people, perfect strangers. I mean, you talk about hearing the voice of God. And sometimes it was like God was writing on the wall with a, with a finger to me. That, that's how – and I write, I write about some of it in the book, but some of it I don't share because it gets real personal. But, you know, God – 
he was so abundantly clear about certain things that he wanted of me and he wanted me to do that in some ways I feel like I'm a little bit um, blessed or privileged in some ways because I, I don't think everybody gets that. Mm-hmm. Um, in, and, and let me say this. I'm not privileged beyond what anybody could be privileged. The thing is, is I gave him my life. You know, when I was leaving business, what I knew, because he kept telling me to count the cost. So when I was leaving business, what I knew I was doing was I was literally laying down my life for him. And I was not, and I was supposed to not take it up again. And it was a very literal thing. It was a very literal conversation between me and the Lord. It wasn't like, it was, it was very, it was very clear that I was laying down my life and he was going to give me a new life. And I was in this process with him. And so, uh, it's a it's a really long story, but um, for the first three years of leaving business behind, I don't think I ministered at all. Really, I think it was God taking the businessman out of me, taking the t- teaching me to walk by the Spirit, overcoming some sin, overcoming certain areas of uh, lust and things I was dealing with, and just overcoming a lot of that to put me in a position where I could be a minister, to mm-hmm. put me in a position where I wouldn't, uh, you know. Because we don't, we, we you know, there's certain things you have to go through if you're going to be a servant of God in reality. You know? yeah. yeah. You're listening to Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Local Ministry Development. And with me today is Robert Anthony, and he's written a book called Jesus Did Not Start a Religion. And uh, as you're sharing your story, Robert, I, I want to make sure, and I, I want to ask you, but I, I think I already know the answer, and that is, you don't see this as a formula for everyone, right? I mean, as far as the travel, you're seeing obedience, but not. there might be a guy who worked at Boeing for 35 years, and God is calling him, but it may not be to leave Boeing and yeah, go yeah. go to Africa, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it may be that he's calling them to witness to the guy in the assembly line right yeah, next, to, yeah, yeah. next to him. Yeah, I mean, there's a theme to what I'm saying that's very biblical, like— there's certain things that God will teach you as he sends you out. That's very biblical, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean in any way that, that this is the model of discipleship or this is the model for the new Christianity or anything. No, absolutely not. What I'm saying is is this is what God has did with me. This is the testimony, and you know he could be trusted. That's what I'm saying very That's clearly. Right. Yeah. And so God may be speaking to someone uh, who's an assembly line worker at Boeing or who is a, a nursing assistant and, uh, for home care for an elderly person, mm-hmm. and might be— uh, I think he's challenging all of us to yeah. step out of our comfort zone, to step out— and in, into an obedience, a life of obedience yeah. towards what he's saying. Well, it's, it's got to start somewhere. Uh-huh. See, I'm, the reason I said the word privilege, the reason I'm privileged is because I was a very young person to realize God could be trusted, God is a father, and he loves us. And I realized it. it uh-huh. It's something he gave me, and that's why I say I'm privileged, because I was already accustomed to living by faith as a very young person. My mom, my mom lived by a lot of faith throughout her life, and I experienced that through her. My father, they, they left Vegas. They lived by faith. And my aunt, you know, uh, she was miraculously. So, so I, had, I had a testimony that was already being given to me. So faith to me, I'm lo- I mean, this is all in hindsight now. Right. But I'm realizing that I was, I was given some things um, that were very privileged. And so if you're on the assembly line at Boeing, you start where you're at. You, I mean, you start where you're at. You get, Lord, I want to do something for you. And he'll tell you. 
That's how it starts. You just say, Lord, I listened to this guy on the radio or I, I, saw, I, I saw this guy preaching the other day, um, maybe out on the street or whatever, and it inspired me. And Lord, what do I, what do, I do for you now? Like, and he'll respond. If, if you seek him, then he'll, he'll, he'll answer you. If, you. if you ask, he'll answer you. If you seek, you'll find. If you knock, the door will be open. It's like, it's a law. It's not a nice scripture. It's not something nice we put on the walls in a picture. It's literally the truth. And so, and that's why I wrote the book, just to get to some bottom lines. I wrote the book to inspire a generation to just trust him again, to trust him and to seek him. And and if stepping out by faith for you is starting a Bible study at Boeing, then then praise the Lord. If stepping out by faith for you is selling everything you have, giving it to the poor and going to Africa, praise the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> and that's and that's learning how to hear the voice of God, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, you know, we read a scripture, we 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 understand his love for us, and then we yield to that voice when he's speaking. Yep. And I think some people are afraid of that voice because they might, the Lord might ask them to step out, as I said, out of their comfort zone. Well, it's fear. There's no fear in love. I mean, so the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is fear. And the biggest sin, I, I, don't, I don't want to be judgmental. I just want to say what I've seen. The biggest sin in the church world today is fear. And when, when, if we could surrender that to him, we're going to receive his love and everything's going to change. Amen. Robert? Anthony, I want to thank you for joining me today on Heart of the City. God bless you. Thanks, Chuck. God bless. You've been listening to this KGNW special, Heart of the City. For more information about how your pastor or ministry can be featured on 820 AM The Word, call Chuck Olmstead at 206-269-6216 or go to 820amtheword.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.